Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. We thought we'd start out this week and talk about the newsletter, everybody. For those of you who don't know, there is a newsletter that goes with each of these lessons that looks like this. And we send it to you every Monday. Well, it includes this. You're right. This is the newsletter. (laughs) This is the study sheet. The newsletter includes the study sheet. And... um, Tips for... Teaching kids, yep. teaching teens that we couples study, a tip from the community. Yep, all sorts of ideas are in there, plus the study sheet, plus a link to the video if that makes things easier for you. All of those things are in there. Um, you can sign up for the newsletter at emilybellfreeman.com. There's a black bar right at the top. It's super easy to find, so that is where you want to go. And some okay. of the things that are happening in the newsletter besides all of this... Wait, first to say this, because that's going to be exciting. Okay. okay, if you sign up for the newsletter and you're not getting it, the best thing to do is to go to your email box and search for hello at emilybellfreeman.com. Search in your spam folder, promotions folder, all the folders, and you sh- that solves the problem for most people. If yep. it doesn't, just send an email to that email address. So search for hello at emilybellfreeman.com after you've signed up sign and that up is that really is solving the solving problem for, for so many people. people so sometimes your email doesn't like ours so you just <laughs> have to acquaint your email with our email and then we all get along doesn't and it's like fine us. um okay also in the newsletter we're going to be having lots of fun um, coming up. things coming up and one of them that we are so excited about is we decided we want to do a don't miss this easter so we are going to do an easter week celebration We will be having a five-minute video every single night of Easter week. We'll be studying the people who were um, with Christ during that last week of his life, the lessons that they teach. Um, We'll be providing you with a really simple activity you can do every night that week if you want. If that feels overwhelming, just watch two of the videos or just watch one video. But we (laughs) are going to give you all of them um, with activities you can do and the activities are fun because it starts filling your home with Easter decorations that all have to do with um, Jesus Christ. So yeah, we love Easter so and we're, we want to re-enthrone Easter, yeah. you know, as the high <laughs> as holiday. High holiday. Yes. That is what we so, want it to become. So, so look for that newsletter, all the fun things. Yeah. Okay. And ready? we'll be doing the regular lesson. Just the regular oh, lesson yeah. is still just going to come. This is just bonus. Because the lesson on Easter week is Easter. I know. We're like so it's, excited. It kind of goes out of order and does yeah. Easter and Easter, which it should. Yeah. And then we'll, so we'll have an yeah. Easter. So don't there will be this. an Easter. Don't, or there will be the Sunday lesson just as planned. But along with that Sunday lesson, we are just going to do uh, six extra videos that we're super excited about just to celebrate Easter. So Okay. Today, though, we're doing Matthew 10. Through 12, Mark 2, Luke 7, 11. Wow. All the things. 7, 11. We should have wow. done free Slurpees. We should have. We should have <laughs> for just today. Slurpees for us for today. True. Next time. In okay. four years. So, <laughs> we hope Jesus is back by then. Let's okay. just be honest. Oh, there will still be Slurpees. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> Matthew 10. Won't there be? Yes. Um, 
Matthew 10 starts off with a list of the first um, group of the disciples, the Quorum of the Twelve, the original ones. When we get to Matthew 16 and 17, we'll talk a little bit more about um, the keys Jesus gives them. But in Matthew 10 through 12, he sends them out um, as disciples into the world to do the work that they are called to do. Um, this is, I've heard from a couple members of the Twelve uh, teach before and talk about the day they were called Mm-hmm. into the 12 they got a new set of scriptures and what does it mean to be an apostle they've never been one before what's it what does it mean and this is one of the spots surely they would come we left the spot on the study sheet if you want to fill out um little kids want to fill out the names of the original 12 or big kids who you know like me or you i uh, want to do that and they're listed here. right in there you, you're not in gonna Matthew have 10. to search hard they're right, right in the Matthew reference 10. is right next to where it says the 12 um, there's also a little box that was left here. You can use a journal to fill in more of this. But um, Matthew 10 is called the commission to the 12, where Jesus gives his advice to them. Remember at the end of 9, um, the prayer was, the, 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 the work is great, mm-hmm. the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Let's he, Pray and, ye therefore that he will send forth laborers. laborers right? And mm-hmm. so he calls them and commissions them to go do the work, his work, into mm-hmm. the world. So it's really neat to go through that chapter, and I and and you can go through the whole thing. I picked out, we picked out some, um, just verses that might be easier, more favorite to look through. And what is he commissioning them to do as as disciples? Um, we nicknamed it the handbook for the fellowship of the rescuers because that's that's the work of Jesus to go out to heal, to rescue, to invite, to lift, and you're going to see words like that through there. And wouldn't that be neat to see? Um, that's both the, the, the quorum of the Twelves Commission, and it's also the commission mm-hmm. to anybody who is, a, who is a disciple of Christ. I love thinking about that. I love thinking that if, if we think that all that the, um, the, the quorum of the Twelve is doing as Jesus' disciples is sitting in the red fluffy chairs and speaking at conference twice a year, we are missing <laughs> what they are doing. They are out every weekend doing this type of work. So how neat to do that. And you might have a personal experience as a, you know, um, where you've seen this type of ministering from them that you could share. But and that, it would be fun as you go through and make that list to talk about where have you seen that yeah. in the stories of the apostles just over past conferences or um, right. just experiences. Or, just, and, or how you, you could do that also. Mm-hmm. So you could choose either of those paths there. We loved as we started looking at this, just thinking about the role of the apostles and the prophet of the church and how important that role is in our lives. And especially in the past several months as we have watched this call of the prophet and the apostles to um, make some changes and to do some things differently. And we feel that revelatory power, um, which is so amazing. And at the same time, as you see that going on, you still have the people who question if we have a living prophet, if the apostles um, are really giving this revelation for our lives, and, and you feel that um, tug and pull in the world. And it's interesting because that is not unique just to our generation, just to just to our life, but actually happened clear back in um, in these same pages. I love when we get into Matthew 11. There is a moment. Um, when Jesus had finished, he had finished commanding his 12 disciples, and then he went to preach and teach in the cities. And when John had heard from prison about the works Christ was doing, he sent people to find out more. And um, they came to Jesus and said, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? 
And then um, it's so interesting because he, he says to them, you go back and you tell John, this is what he is doing. The blind are receiving their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And I love the thought of them returning to John and saying, this is the work he is doing. And it was the, it was the work of Christ. It was the actions of Christ that was gonna be the witness to John. He didn't say, yeah, go back and tell him this is who I am. He said, go back and tell him this is what is happening, mm. um, which is the same as the apostles, right? If you right. want to know who the apostles are, look at the work they're doing, yeah. and it will testify of where they came from. And then as they, um, as they departed in verse 7, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? And we just want you to think about this for a minute. This is such a profound lesson that happens right here because he walks them through three different scenarios. He asks them first, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? And the first thing he asks them is a reed shaken with the wind. Like, did you go out of your way all the way out there just to watch the weeds that would bend and move at any whim or wind or whatever was going on? Is that why you came to the wilderness? And no, that's not why they came. So then he asked him the second question, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment, or in other words, in fine clothing, which is interesting because was John dressed in fine clothing? Well, he wore the camel, <laughs> right. the camel skins, right. eight crickets, so you know. Everyone who's there who knew who John was, was in their minds, they were like, no, he didn't wear fine clothing, right? That's not, we didn't come out to see his clothes. We didn't come out um, because he looked like this, this rich man with, you know, a lot of knowledge, that's not why we came. And then he asked the third time and says, but what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. And I love this. Um, he talks about his job. This is he of whom it was written, behold, I will send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before me. That um, This was the prophet that would prepare the way for the Messiah. And as I was reading that this time as we were sitting, I thought to myself, it's so interesting because you look at all the world around us. And when people look at the prophet of this church, when they look at President Nelson, what do they see in yeah. him? Do they see a man that is shaken by the whims of the world? No. Do they see a man who is so concerned with his business profession, with his knowledge, with what he has to offer? No. Um, what do you see? When you look at President Nelson, you see a man who is preparing the world for Jesus Christ. That is who he is, and that is what he's doing. And I love, as we look at that and hear um, just that same call, what went ye out to see? And when you think about the prophet of our church, what you're going to see is what you go looking for. Right, and it's interesting that somebody can see you you could see his imperfections you could see mistakes mm -hmm. like that is a that should be a clearly taught truth that we believe in imperfect people who are called to these but are are you going looking for those or are you going looking for that you know the gift of prophecy the things that mm -hmm. Jesus sent him that Jesus sent him out to do. We have this friend um, of ours who is, a, she's a good friend, an evangelical Christian, and she has 
um, run into a couple of members of the Twelve several times. Like, Which I, we laugh every I, time it, she like texts us, even, and, she's and like, it's always in all caps. Yeah. <laughs> you won't believe. I'm like, people in the church don't have one-on-one -on -one experiences with the apostles. And she keeps having them. Yeah, for some reason she does. And I texted her just before we started filming to say, hey, will you remind me about that story of meeting Elder Holland at the grocery store? And she asked, what time? Which time? And I was like, oh my gosh. The time in the produce section. So she sees him in the produce section. And she walks up and she says, are you Elder Holland? Yes. And she says, I'm, I'm you know, so-and-so. And, -so and um, I, uh, I'm Nish. She's a friend of ours if you yes. follow us you, in other places. You've heard places. her talk about yeah. her before. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to protect her identity for a second, but she, she doesn't <laughs> care. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. Um, yes, I, I am. And she had, as she said something to him about his most recent general conference talk. That it you really... love that she watches all of conference. Right. Everybody, all, every session of conference she watches, she knows all of them by face and by name. Yeah, and she loves him. And the talk that, that he gave, and, and she walked up to him and just said, I just wanted to say thank you um, for your words. They, I, I'm not a member of your faith. But those words were so powerful and strengthening for me. Um, and then she said, Elder Holland put his hand on just on the on the side of her face, called her my dear, mm -hmm. and said, Thank you for saying that words like that give me strength and encouragement to keep on moving on in, in the work. Um, and with tears in his eyes. I, I just love that thought of, of It's so genuine. It's so, so genuine. Humble. Right, where he's just like, This is hard. It is so hard to be given this commission mm -hmm. from the Lord to do this work. And we are trying to fulfill that commission and I, I, I love when you see it happening. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, and it thing. just goes back to that part when he says when John says, Are you the one? you know, and he's like, Well, let me tell you what I'm doing. And it's the same for the apostles when you look at the apostles. Um, and you look at the work they're doing, right? And they're stopping in the produce section to just love yeah. moms. Right. You know, to just wherever he is and whatever they're doing, that they are um, loving yeah. people. And that's what they do. They love so well. And that's their, that's their call. Um, we thought it would be fun as you go through this um, first part of the lesson and you talk about this commission to the 12 and and what are you looking for in a prophet what are you looking for in the apostles um, we put a square right up here we want you to think about what is some recent advice from the 12 that you um, can remember that you can um, that has touched you that has left an impact on you um, maybe each of you as you go through and can think what what's the most recent words that I remember that really impacted my heart or left an impression on me and you may want to pull out um, the general conference yeah. notes and just look and see um, what, what are those words that we hold on to and what is the mission we see them filling and how are they changing our lives. Yeah. And one of the things recently um, is over the last several years, there's been a call recently from the 12 to uh, re-enthrone the Sabbath day, um, uh, to give that day the sacrament meeting back to the Savior were the words of then Elder Nelson mm -hmm. when that was being introduced. And this was um, emphasized and repeated for several years. And so interesting that it was almost preparatory for what we're doing right now in our homes mm -hmm. on, on the Sabbath day. But this is a great section in Scripture to talk about the meaning of Sabbath and, and why it was given as a gift um, to us. Uh, there's a couple places you can go. I'm going to jump back and forth. One of the things I want us to look at first is Mark chapter 2. There's a similar story in Mark 2 as there is in Mark 12. Um, and the story 
is one of the disciples walking through a cornfield and they eat the corn on the Sabbath and the Pharisees throw a fit about it and say, don't you know that's unlawful to do that on the Sabbath? This is the very end of Mark 2, um, starting around verse 23. Um, what you have to know about the Pharisees is the Torah or the, you know, the five books of Moses, originally the law, um, was in place. And then several laws were added, almost like fences around the Torah to prevent you from breaking the Torah there were fences set up and regulations set up, and, and that's what they're breaking. They're breaking one of the regulations that was there. And what Jesus is trying to show them is, you've totally missed the mark on the Sabbath day. It's become this soul-sucking like day of like <laughs> rules and regulations that like the whole spirit of the day is, is gone. And, and Jesus gives them a story from the Old Testament. He's like, don't you remember when David and his, um, and his servants ate the bread from the temple? When they were hungry, that was unlawful too. So he's just, you know, they know the scriptures really well. And so he's just trying to like, you know, kind of knock them off their high horse for a minute. And then says this in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given as a gift. The word Sabbath actually comes from a Hebrew word Shabbat that is translated four different ways in the scriptures. Um, which is so fascinating. And the words, it can be translated as these four words, to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. Those are the four words that are given, um, that, that the word Shabbat mm -hmm. is translated to, um, which is really neat. What happens next, why I wanted you to go to the Mark 2 account, is in the next chapter, Mark 3, a man comes with a withered hand and is healed on the Sabbath. And, uh, and then instead of everybody having a celebration that he was healed, the Pharisees start making a plot, you know, to destroy and, and kill Jesus because of that happening, which is just to show they were way off mark on the Sabbath, right? That it is this day of healing and resting. And what's interesting is in most of the time that Jesus heals throughout the New Testament, it happens on the Sabbath day. And um, I just learned this today, but the Greek word... Terra is the word, uh, the, um, is translated as saved and healed. Like that same word means both healed and, and, and um, saved. And sozo, which oh, is yes. also, and it's the same. Right. Healed and, and saved. saved. Isn't that interesting? Um, I love, I don't think that's on accident that Jesus heals on the Sabbath again and again and again because I think that is a message, that is a day of healing, healing. emotional spiritual healing, right? If you go back to Matthew chapter 11, this is all in connection with the Sabbath. This is a really popular set of verses, but mm -hmm. it's given in connection with, with Sabbath. Um, Sabbath to stop, rest, delight, and worship is not so much about relaxation, but it's about rest. We live in a really, really busy world. We've talked about that um, <laughs> when we were at the beginning of Mark. But yeah. the rhythm of this world is so fast and it's so exhausting and we are overcrowded in our minds, our schedules. Um, phones have made it worse. Light bulbs made it worse before any of us were born. <laughs> I just read this today that people before the light bulb used to sleep 10 to 11 hours a day oh, a night. don't say that. I know, that's true, everybody. You know, and now like everything has made it worse and the rhythm of the world we're in we, are, we crave and need not just relaxation or stopping, but real rest. rest. 
-hmm. And this is how Jesus defines rest. It's in Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden or frustrated and exhausted, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, and you will find rest unto your souls. Real rest is connection and commute. It's real. Uh, remember the yoke was what you put mm-hmm. um, oxen in or cattle in or something. And so when he says, get in the yoke with me, it's come closer to me, be in communion and connection, and you will find rest uh, to your souls. So um, that is... There's so much that is that is. Yeah, I love that yoke. I've got to tell um, one of my favorite stories about that yoke and thinking about that yoke um, happened several years ago. Greg and I were in a counseling office, and it was just a hard time for us. We were coming out of a really hard few years, and um, I can remember just sitting on that black leather couch, and I had been crying, and I had so many tissues just on my lap, and just how hard things were. We were exhausted. We were exhausted from what life had brought to us. And I can remember the man saying, I want to tell you a story. And then he started telling us about this auction, a farmer's auction. I remember he pulled the newspaper article out of this old filing cabinet and he's telling us about this auction and everyone had come and all of the animals were coming through, the lambs and and everything that they were selling and they saved the oxen for last. And the oxen came out in teams, all of them did. And um, they kind of went in order and they saved the best for last. And by the end, it was matching colors, matching coats, you know, um, matching size, size, everything. everything. And in the middle of that um, stadium, there was this huge load and they would strap the oxen up. And that's how people would decide is how, how much they could pull. And the people who would come out were who were selling them and, and would have them go and the people would raise their hand and pay. Well, at the very end of the night, this old farmer walks out and then his oxen team walks out and people kind of start laughing, right? They're scoffing because the one ox is huge. It is so big. It's muscles, everything are just huge. Um, its head can barely even fit in the yoke, its neck. And the other one next to it is just this scrawny little ox that looks like it might not live even a year longer and just skinny and they walk out and people are like, did they forget to, like this team should have been brought out first, right? <laughs> did they forget what they were doing? And then the man who owns them tells them to put more weight on the weight thing. And then people are shaking their head and he hooks them up and then he calls for them to come. And it's so interesting in the article, it talks about how you watch these two oxen work together and, and their motion was just fluid. The way they moved was fluid. and they pulled more weight than any team had pulled so far that whole entire day. And as this counselor was telling me this story, I thought to myself, I know which one I am. I'm the weak one. I'm the scrawny one. I'm the one that you would think can't pull um, the weight. And for some reason, the Savior says, I will yoke with you, right? I'll pull with you, I'll, I'll take the burden, I'll take everything that you have and I am gonna pull with you. And what it looks like to pull with the Savior, for some reason equals rest Yeah. in the end. It's just that your burden will be light and there will be rest. And I love the thought of that as we prepare for the Sabbath of 
there are going to be weeks where we're barely going to make it through. We're at the end. We are going to be the weakest one. We're going to be tired and used up and worn out. And on Sundays, do you know what the Savior does? He rests. And mm. when we're yoked with him, we're going to take that same time, right? We're going to take that same break and we're going to be healed and rejuvenated and then ready to go again. Right. It's such a beautiful gift, the Sabbath. And so um, we have on here a, a box for what it means to do well on the Sabbath. And if you look in Math Matthew 12, 11 and 12, you'll find words like uh, heal and lift, lay hold and, and, and words like that. But it is a day for being healed, for being saved. Just for fun, let's talk about it being a high holy day like we've talked about with the other... Um, Sometimes it's fun to think about how do you prepare for your favorite holidays. Let's yeah. just think about Christmas. And what are the things we do to prepare for Christmas? There's certain music that we listen to in preparation. Um, there's family gathering that happens. Um, there's the, the way you prepare the house. There's food. right? Always you, food. There's always food, and you know what your family's Christmas food is. And there's traditions that only happen at Christmas. Maybe you get jammies the night before. And... Um, or how you open your presents, or whatever it is that you do on Christmas, you know already, your family already knows, you could list it out, what are the songs you listen to, how do you decorate the house, how, what are your foods, what are your traditions, and um, several years ago when we were talking about the Sabbath so often, I was like, I want to look forward to Sundays the same way I look forward to Christmas. I, I want all week long to be thinking, I love that day, I love the music, I love what my house feels like. I love the food that we the food, eat. Food, yeah. I was going to yeah, say, make sure you food. Um, yeah, for years, Grace, before she left on our mission, um, it was our tradition to make a certain set of cookies. On We would pick a recipe during the week, and that was our Sabbath tradition. Right. We would spend the afternoon doing that. And maybe that's something that is fun to do in this box is say, how are you going to make the Sabbath your high holy day? Right. How are we going to make it a day of stopping, resting, delighting, and worship? Yeah. You know, and for those, every family, that's going to be different, but it should be something you look forward to. Right. The Sabbath was made for man. And it gift. should be a break. It should right. be different. than all, it, Just like Christmas is different than the other 365 days of the year. That's why I love the Sabbath more, because you get it's 52. Christmas. Yeah, you, you get 52 <laughs> of those days. Um, it, yeah, and, and let's do it right. Let's love everything about the Sabbath. Yeah. So this could be a really, really cool thing, a way to look at the Sabbath and look forward to it. And remember in Jerusalem how people just like, oh. they dance when the Sabbath starts. They sing. It is like it is this long lost friend who's come back once a week. And I loved just... when we were there watching. I didn't know this was a tradition until we went, but the women light the Sabbath candles um, at sundown. And, it, and it's the woman's job in the home. It's the mom's job to go and to light these Sabbath candles and to set apart that day, day. as different from the rest of the week. So I brought home Sabbath candles because I was like, I want to do that. I want to feel like my Sundays are different and special and set apart. And So um, neat. Anyways, oh, we hope you love your Sabbath conversation. <laughs> we were planning on that being that long. But we had to. It yeah, was so good. So good. Okay, we want to end on this last story, mm -hmm. Luke 7. We just have a couple um, more minutes, so let's And we this love this story. In. Oh, we love it so much. This is the woman um, who came, and um, she saw that Jesus... We're in Luke 7, 37. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, 
and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And I love this woman. I love her so much. In fact, when I went to Jerusalem, I, um, we went to an alabaster shop and I found myself an alabaster box, which I just love so much. And um, when you go and you look at these boxes, one thing that is true about them is they will shine light in them. And they are so fragile that they are translucent. You've got to be so careful with them. And they're precious, right? They're just these beautiful stone boxes. And I think to myself, every time I read that story, this was precious to her. And um, what was in here was 500 days worth of wages for her, um, which is a lot. Yeah. When you think about it, and we don't know how that oil got in there. We don't know what cost it was. But we know this was something that was precious to her, um, this alabaster box. And she comes and she kneels down and she just uses all of it just freely, right? Just freely gives everything that is in here because of her adoration of the Savior, of who he was. And, um, and the, the Pharisee who's there right. at, the, at the dinner says, you know, in verse 39, if he really was a prophet, he would have known what manner of woman this is that touches him. He's, she's a... She is yep. a sinner. And again, I love that we go right back to that. What, what, was, what did he go out to see in Jesus, right? And, and his, everything about him is questioning who Jesus is, what he did, what he taught, if he really was, um, you know. And, but this woman, she just went in and she gave her finest, right? She gave her very best, what was in her alabaster box. And, in a uh, really embarrassing situation, too. Yeah. Everyone knew who she was. She walked into the room. Everyone would have been lounging around, laying around. She would have probably had to step over people, you know, to get to him. And her focus was Jesus, right? right she didn't even care what was going on. And then this man is just sits back and watches her, right? And judging what's going on. And I love when we think um, about this story, what they saw was a woman of the city, a sinner. But I love what we learn about what Jesus saw. Um, he says to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me no water to wash my feet, right? That was the custom. That is how you took care of a Anybody guest. who came, that was normal custom. Yeah, and, and he didn't. And she washed my feet with her tears. I mean, just think about the intimacy of that and that vulnerability and, and how transparent she was in that moment and fragile and broken in that moment. And you gave me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. And then, this is my favorite verse, 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And it's so interesting because by that adoration, by that worship, by that delighting and her stopping and resting and all of those things she was showing him that adoration she gave him what was most precious out of her heart that was so translucent and laid open and, and even broken everything she had her very finest she gave him and um and that is what we do when we recognize you know who he is right. and i love that thought we have a little place for you to write this here they saw a woman of the city a sinner and he saw a woman who loved much. And we have also a box on here with a cross-reference to 1 John 4:19, where we're taught that we love him because he first loved us. Um, Jesus gives a parable in that story mm -hmm. that you'll read 
of, of two people who had a debt, one a really small one and one a really large debt, and asks the Pharisee, who is going to be more grateful? Who's going to love the master if he forgives both of them? And the Pharisee's like, well, the one who forgave the bigger one. Yeah, the and one he's like, he forgave the most. Right? That, mm-hmm. He's like, absolutely. And, and, the, and he compares it to that woman. I was like, because of the love she's and grace she's recognized from me, that's why she's responding the way um, that she is. Um, the Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee, probably should have figured out that all of us are the second person. Mm-hmm. We're, he is under the impression that he has only been forgiven a little debt. And she was in a place to realize how much mm-hmm. he'd forgiven her. And that is why she responded the, the way that, that she did. Just as you think about this whole lesson, I love that this sums up all of it. This, what does it look like to love much? What reasons do we have to love much? And you look back at why do we follow the prophet? Why do we follow the apostles? Why do we keep the Sabbath day? Why do we do well on the Sabbath? It's our way of showing love. Right. It's our way of showing that adoration um, to him who has given us everything. And, and there's so much genuine love that comes when we recognize where it should be coming from. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, so. Okay, good thanks week. for coming along. Good week. Good we'll stuff. see you again next week. See you week. next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.